1: The COV is presented by Rabobank. Awarded 2023 SMSF Savings Bank of the Year by Mozo.
2: Hello and welcome to the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. My name is Kyle Rodder, and I'm with Danny Akuye and Juliet Tsai at my left (laughs) and my right. They insisted on doing this and I have to say I'm very flattered, of course, but um, let's get straight into the markets now. Look at where the Cebo 200 has finished up and uh, Juliet, uh, it looks as though it's going to be a negative day, albeit to finish off what was a fairly positive week.
0: Yeah. Oh, wake me up when September ends. Is that the kind of theme? Because we are seeing a little bit of selling going into the first day of the new year. But of course, uh, the new month, I should say. It's not quite a new year, (laughs) is it? Oh, where am I? Um, (laughs) But we're down by about a third of 1%. And and look, a lot of that is about the miners, which we're going to get to a little later on, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got the
1: ASX 200 down about 26 points or 0.36% to 7,278. And yes, the first day of spring, well, the markets haven't sprung.
2: No, not (laughs) yet, but um, let's get across now, just our three themes for the day. Um, FMG, who wants to go first? Because yeah, um, that's
1: a really interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah. it looks like there's a bit of a punch-up going yeah. on <laughs> with not not shareholders, but you have some shareholders deciding to sell out. They just don't want to be part of it. And then you've got other shareholders that are saying, no, this is just short-term noise. Mm. You know, everything's fine. It it raises lots of questions, don't you think, Julia? It does.
0: I mean, it's very interesting that you've had something like eleven quite senior executives since 2021 leave Fortescue. Mm. So we had the CEO quit earlier this week and then now we had the CFO today and then Guy DeBell mm. leaving the, the green energy unit, that board. Um, but I was talking to Gemma from NAB Trade about this earlier and she said, look, like the big-term investors in Fortescue, they're going to be going off what's happening with the iron ore price yeah. rather than the boardroom shake-up. But certainly there's some really interesting opinion pieces out there too. What does it mean? Is there a bit of reverse greenwashing going on as well, particularly with Guy Bell walking away from the FFI?
2: Yeah, indeed. There's uh, like a bit of a Greek tragedy now for, for <laughs> Twiggy Forest and uh, perhaps getting to that third act where things tend to go a little awry. But um, we'll talk about FMG perhaps in the moves at uh, Leaders and Lagos towards the end. But uh, housing, also mm. an interesting one, Danny uh, up by another 0.8%.
1: Yeah, it is really interesting because we had that guest in yesterday who mm. who was chatting about the property market and how all the buyers have returned. And just anecdotally, um, my local agent keeps pinging me <laughs> saying another property is flowing. trying off. to get you to sell, Danny. N- well, they always want you to yeah. sell, but it's more a case of like this, this property's come on the market. Oh, it's gone already. And it looks like this FOMO in the housing market is cropping up again
2: yeah exactly if, to be fair with Danny it's one of her uh, extensive uh, residential property portfolio isn't it, across
0: the, <laughs> Absolutely. The she's just like which one will I sell this yeah, week yeah, exactly. how it's... I
2: wish <laughs> don't, don't, don't we all don't we all
0: but interestingly can yes. I just say on that with the capital city gains every single capital city except Darwin so Darwin saw actually a loss of about 0.38% when it comes to house prices so interesting, it's interesting. Yeah.
2: yeah okay there you go all right well let's get across the sectors of the day now as well uh, miners obviously in focus because of the FMG news. Uh, let's have a look at how the other miners fared now. And uh, overall, uh, Philly fairly picture there, obviously, Danny.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the one that stands out is Fortescue, which is down, it was down 5% at one stage. Interestingly, Dalian iron ore futures have continued to tick higher. They're up to US $116 a tonne. So, at the very least, the speculators, the punters are out there really expecting China to act more in terms of boosting uh, steel demand.
2: We saw sort a of bounce back in energy as well, Julia, but I think that uh, maybe Whitehaven Coal, after jumping 9% going ex dividend mm. yesterday, might have helped out. But uh, Woodside, there you can see up 1.5%.
0: Well, it's Santos too, isn't it? With mm. that sale of that near 3% LNG uh, to PNG, to Papua New Guinea. So that's gained around 2%. So a very big uh, jump coming through from Santos today. And just Poll, it's gone
1: X and 95 cent dividend, just so everybody knows. Okay. All right.
2: Indeed, another X div there. Our retailers as well. Let's get a health check there, because actually one of the areas of the market that's certainly surprised to the upside, and also um, well, some strengths coming back through, perhaps defying the uh, broader dip I would call it in the uh, in the market today, Danny.
1: Yeah, it is interesting to see the strength there. I mean, Wes Farmers has been very strong. It's carried its ex-dividend very, very well. And, uh, you know, maybe there's some positioning ahead of uh, those jobs numbers, as in, you know, people are expecting a soft one, hence yields coming down, hence you buy retailers. I have no idea what Well, there are.
0: Maya is, is <laughs> a big one there too. So a gain of 2.2%. And that's because we've heard that Solomon Luce Premier's investment has been the buyer behind about 25 million oh. shares. Uh, in Maya, oh, wow. so about three percent of and worth around 16 million dollars so that's certainly one that has has been in, in focus in that space today
2: yeah indeed and uh last but not least let's just have a look at the banks excuse me because we have to <laughs> don't you? take it away
1: oh sorry the banks okay a lot of a uh, bit of profit taking coming in there and uh, Commonwealth Bank, uh, well, holding on to that 101 level, but, you know, generally just soft across the board on those. And uh, have we got any other sectors that we're checking no, in on? No, but what on? we
0: wanted to, I think what we wanted to talk about was some of those um, big corporate stories as well, but Danny, also your your thoughts on what September will bring with with the view.
1: Yes. So I, I, yeah, with the one I wrote today Well, I was talking, I was talking really about the fact that I think we're going into a lot harder period for companies. Mm -hmm. And I think Salesforce in the US, their results is a really good example because they have crushed costs completely. (laughs) So they have good results, but now. They need to grow earnings and they need to grow earnings through acquisitions, but they're not really in a position to do that because the cost of debt is really high, board is leaning on them not to make acquisitions, so they have to grow organically. I think that theme is very much going to abound uh, with companies, just in terms of the easy adjustment to slower economic growth has taken place.
0: Uh, Now it is going to get uh, a lot harder, I think, in the next two quarters. Yeah, let's have a look. I mean, we've mentioned some of the stocks in detail that we have been talking about. We've already mentioned, of course, uh, what's been happening with Fortescue, what's been happening with Maya. There were quite a few broker calls as well today. So, I mean, that's a look at Fortescue over, over the year and really gets to the point of Gemma's, uh, I guess, point that people are in it more for the iron ore. Perseus Mining was an interesting one, particularly as we saw a few uh, broker upgrades coming on the back. I spoke to the CEO of Perseus yesterday and they're still looking at that potential move Movement into Sudan but waiting for the civil unrest to, to move on
1: and Santos steals the show with a reiterated buy by City and a price cut of $9 so they have uh, sold down the LNG to Kumul and uh, Bar- the Barossa projects to PNG which is uh, you know very positive for Santos
2: yes and uh Well, let's get to the stock of the day, Danny, because uh, you were hosting, had a special guest as well, mind you. um, (laughs) Apparently so. Apparently (laughs) so. I think you'd met before. There was fireworks, really. But um, Fortescue Metal was the the stock of the day. Yeah,
1: Fortescue was stock of the day. And I had Claude Walker and Rudy Philippe Van Dyke. So let's check in and see what they had to say.
2: Do see a bit of a slowdown in demand probably for Fortescue in the short term and for that reason uh, I I would just, just on the short term point of view I guess I'd be a sell uh, but long term I, I wouldn't I wouldn't i more be just this is an interesting stock there might be the right time to own it again uh, that, so yeah that's, that's where I'm at with Fortescue.
1: Since China is arguably overproducing steel and Fortescue is producing a, a lower grade product in comparison to uh, bhp and rio the risks are higher Mm -hmm. and if you get um, something like this rumblings in the state of denmark i think it just adds to the to increasing uh, risk profile so for me and i'm not your typical investor in in commodity stocks anyway but for me this would be uh, a hold at best a cautious hold at best but i would probably just be basically just for the reasons because the risk profile for me would be too, too much. I, I, would, I would not be in there in the first place, but if I were in the first place, if I were there, I would sell. Fair. Yeah, two very cautious guests there on FMG, basically, so risk profile going up and, uh, you know, the stock for many investors is still just beholden to where mm-hmm. the iron ore price goes, but nevertheless. Not yeah. good.
2: Trades are such a big premium as well. I think retail investors do really like it uh, mm. too. So, anyway, there you go. That's uh, the stock of the day. But patiently waiting has been Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP. He's standing by now live via Skype. Dr. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, you can see the three musketeers, the three amigos uh, here uh, uh, hosting. Uh, let's just start with now that we're at the end of reporting season. We've asked you every, every week for your appraisal. Um, hits misses. What was your expectation? Uh, what was your sorry appraisal of, of the uh, earnings period? Because it would seem there was uh, well, some big swings there in some share prices.
3: There, there certainly was. Um, I would characterise the reporting season as as sort of better than feared, but not great. Uh, on my count, anyway, we had roughly an equal number of beats versus misses. Whereas normally you see more beats than misses. Um, we've got profits up on a year ago, but only just, you know, for the reporting season as a whole, it looks, or financial year as a whole, it looks like earnings are up something like 1.5%. Uh, we've got, you know, 56% of companies reporting higher profits, which is less than normal, and obviously a big chunk, 44% reporting declines in profits, uh, which is higher than normal, and less companies raising their dividends. 40% of companies raise their dividends, whereas the norm is, is quite a lot higher than that. Um, which, which indicates a degree of corporate caution. And even though the results overall weren't, that, um, yeah, weren't worse than feared, um, if anything, they were better than feared, um, it is worth noting that through the reporting season as a whole, analysts downgraded their expectations for this financial year. So at the start of the reporting season, at the end of July a month ago, we were looking at earnings growth for this financial year for, as, as being a decline of uh, 0.8%. Now we're looking for a fall of about 5.5%. But you can see in that uh, table there, that chart there, that the number of companies reporting above, um, a little bit less than normal, a bit better than it was in February. Um, And the number of companies below um, is a bit more than normal as well. Um, So that's what I mean. It was okay, better than feared, but it wasn't great.
0: Shane, let's talk about inflation falling more than expected in July. We were just talking about house prices too. What does all this mean for the RBA next week for its September meeting?
3: Well, I think it will give more weight to the inflation numbers than the house price numbers. Uh, It has indicated that it will look at global conditions. It will look at household spending, uh, the jobs market and inflation. And when you run through those things, you could argue that the global conditions show a continued easing in inflation. Um, when you look at inflation in Australia, we've got the chart up there showing the headline number, both the quarterly and the more up-to-date, of course, uh, monthly number, which is the dashed line. And you can see there the trend is down and our own pipeline inflation indicator points to more weakness ahead. I it's that, that indicator, the blue line, has had a bit of a bounce lately, but it's still pointing to more weakness ahead. So that's positive. Uh, Jobs numbers have been on the soft side. And, of course, uh, wages growth has been on the soft side. And we've got retail sales, which are tracking sideways over the last nine months or so. So all of those things, I think, are consistent with the RBA leaving rates on hold. But, of course, that that pick up in house prices, whether you look at the prop track or the core logic numbers, and they they do vary a bit, uh, yeah, that's probably a warning sign that the RBA is going to be a bit cautious about cutting rates anytime soon. We were thinking rates yeah. start to come down through next year, but that, that strength in the property market is a bit of a warning sign that maybe the Reserve Bank won't be rushing into, uh, into rate cuts. Um, I mean, I must admit, I'm surprised by the strength in property prices. Uh, I have been surprised at the extent of the upswing this year, uh, particularly given the, the hit to the capacity to pay that uh, new borrowers have had as a result of higher interest rates, but I'm also conscious we've got a massive undersupply out there given the resurgence in immigration and that, that's the main factor driving the property market at present.
1: Shane, September, dare I say the beginning of spring and September unfortunately is not always a good period for markets. Do you think this year is going to be any different?
3: Well, it's nice. You always feel happy beginning of the spring. I look out there, it's nice and sunny, a bit cold in Sydney today, but nice and sunny anyway with a, with a stiff breeze blowing. But, uh, you know, it's a happy time in Australia. But, of course, the Northern Hemisphere dominates. September is known to be one of the re- weakest months of the year. Um, we saw that seasonal weakness kick in in August, um, partly reversed at the end of the month. Um, but shares in the US globally and Australia still ended up down for the month as a whole. And and you've got to allow that we're still in a rough seasonal period. So I, I think on a 12-month horizon, the fact that inflation is receding, coming down, you know, that core PCE inflation number in the US, 0.2%, multiply that by 12, you get 2.4%. Maybe I'm getting too excited here, but that's that's good news. <laughs> uh, you can't deny that. It does take pressure off the Fed and likewise in Australia for the RBA. But you still have that risk of recession as the lagged impact of monetary tightening comes through. We are seeing the softer jobs market in the US. Um, and so all of these things, I, I think, you know, it suggests we should be re- relatively cautious as we go through what is still a seasonally weak time of the year. There's still uncertainty about China. Um, later this month, we're gonna have more focus on the US yet again, this soap opera drives me bonkers. I've been looking at that for years now. Um, shut down, debt ceiling, shut down debt ceiling over and over and over it goes. Um, there'll be some last minute deal, but you can still have a shutdown um, before that deal is reached. Uh, so that's going to be an issue in the US. And of course, uh, I think I mentioned China. So all, all of those things are still playing in here and could still give us, give us volatility through this seasonally weak period
2: last question dr oliver of course and uh, we have the non-farm payrolls numbers tonight the narrative seems to have shifted just a little bit this week around us labor market with some softer figures coming through so what's your assessment of the state of play there in the us when it does come to the jobs market
3: i think it's it's now quite clear that it's cooling if you look at job openings if you look at the quits rate, if you look at hiring uh and there's a graph there showing both of them Um, you see quite a clear downtrend and uh, as people start to realise that there's less job openings out there when they've got a job, you you know, your bargaining power goes down a little bit and that's why people are are not quitting at the same rate that they were uh, from their existing jobs to go to new jobs. Uh, We also saw some figures from Challenger Grey, which is a hiring company I think in the US, and they're they're reporting a very strong rise in layoffs in the US. So it looks to me like it's cooling down. Now, of course... The payroll numbers have short-term primacy over all of these things, so the market's going to be very intently focusing on them tonight. But the upstream measures, upstream message, I think, for the jobs market is, is that it is cooling. That will take pressure off uh, wages growth, further pressure off wages growth, and I, I think the Fed has to see that as a very positive development. Um, now, now, the problem is if those lines go down too far, too fast, and then you go from uh, you know, no longer worrying about inflation, then we have to start worrying about uh, rising unemployment and recession. But obviously, that's a fair <laughs> way to go before we get to that point. And hopefully, hopefully if, it, if, if they do keep coming down, and I think they probably will, they don't go down so far that it causes a, a severe recession. Dr. Oliver, we'll relish the fact that bad news is currently good news
2: and uh, we'll wait for the other shoe to drop perhaps that in totally time. Is. But uh, really appreciate your insights as always. Have a wonderful weekend. Dr. Shane Oliver there from AMP.
3: Thanks, everyone. Take care. All the best.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, let's see if we can just look at what's going on tonight while uh, we wait for the final uh, data to come through, perhaps, on the leaders and laggards But um, obviously, it will be that non-farm payrolls number tonight, uh, Juliet. And, oh, there we go, a long weekend in the United States. So yeah. Um, yeah. might be a quiet, quiet start to next week
0: well indeed and and maybe everybody needs that little breather i guess (laughs) after reporting season but uh, it will be labor day so no trade of course in terms of the cash market but uh, we will be reacting still to what that u.s jobs data releases tonight when we trade on monday and of course danny tuesday is the big one we're just talking about what shane oliver thought with what the reserve bank might do there too Mm. yeah absolutely looks like the rba
1: will be on hold just worth bearing in mind that Tuesday next week, that the U.S. Treasury has a very large issuance: U.S. 127 billion in treasuries, two, five, and seven. So it's really could be like a, a test market event in terms of um, demand where yields go, and it'll be interesting because, as we said, not trading on Monday.
2: Yeah, well, I suppose that's what really got August off on the wrong foot, wasn't it? Was yeah, that we had that uh, big Spike funding in round in the uh, in the United States. that... Mm. Well, uh, caused a little bit of upheaval, a very minor upheaval, but um, obviously was probably one of the big reasons why August was such a negative month right across global equities. And um, well, of course, that hurdle tonight is going to be fascinating uh, with with the jobs figures. We'll certainly inform whether the Fed might need to go again. But let's get across the leaders and laggards, of course. And we'll use that to wrap up the day. And uh, the leaders now, let's have a look. Off we go. Okay, to the leaders, of course. Uh, And let's see what we've got. All right, Magellan, 4.8% higher. uh, Leader of the pack today.
0: Whitehaven Coal, was it, that was one we were talking about yesterday that went ex div yeah, right? And yeah. so, uh, definitely a bounce back today because uh, investors responding favourably, of course, to what we saw in the metal space, but also their earnings. So, a gain of around 4% and, and Paladin looking pretty mm. good there too, up 3.5%. So it looks
1: like the uh, uranium bulls have got fired up
2: again recently. <laughs> they have, yeah, actually. <laughs> and
1: over a, in the US as well.
2: Yeah, no, I had a guest, I think it was yesterday I had a, had a guest on. Uh, in fact, it was Jason McIntosh just uh, using the, uh, the the Sprott ETF, I think it is, which is just just a good way to yeah. play the underlying uranium price, but that's pushing some new highs, and um, I don't know what necessarily the thematic is there, but um, hope. Hope, <laughs> hope, or pessimism perhaps and then just for the staying future. Staying in that
0: sector when they, you know, a day when you don't want to buy Fortescue, maybe you're looking at other, other parts.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it doesn't take much for those sort of um, uranium bugs to, to fire up, of course. They're, um, you know, closely related, I think, to, to, to the Bitcoin bugs and people of that variety. Um, a very passionate group of individuals and, yeah, highly, high conviction behind that play often. Um, let's go to Lagards, though. Let's see if Fortescue made it onto the list. Perhaps Ooh. it did. Uh, Certainly, uh, well, an invidious day for the company, down 4.85%. But Lake Resources, um, again, uh, the biggest loser on the market. Chalice Mining actually is the interesting one this week. Down a further 7.3%. It was off 25% on Wednesday or Tuesday, I believe it was. Also a further 5% yesterday. So it's basically shed half its value over the last three Mm. trading sessions. So a very painful trade there for investors. And uh, I did my best... Uh, at trying to explain the, the the science and engineering behind this, but effectively uh, they were doing a bit of a scoping study. Investors apparently uh, weren't convinced of the pricing that uh, the company applied to the uh, the minerals. Uh, mm. The play, uh, what was it again? The palladium, mm.
0: uh,
2: I think, is what they mine. Anyway, um, it's caused all to sorts of
0: talk as well about brainship because mm. hasn't that been a, a terrible week too? It's something like twelve percent drop earlier in the week too on its half-year results so down by another four percent as well and that's basically because you've got the semiconductor you know coming through with a disappointing first half and they also saw their losses double to 17.15 mm. million dollars but a lot of short sellers in that stock too
2: yeah. yeah interesting okay small cap leaders and low guys let's see if there's any uh, noteworthy movements there uh, in the context of things uh not a huge movement especially for a company that's worth one cent i don't even know what uh, 16 <laughs> cent is 16% is on one cent. Um, let's go to the laggards in the small cap space if there's anything else that jumps out there. Uh, mesoblast, mesoblast often yes. makes a list.
1: It does indeed. Under the pump again off uh, almost 11 cents. Wow, that's been a pain trade, that one.
2: Yeah, it certainly has. All right, we're uh, running out of time. Let's get a final check on the market, shall we? Yep. CFO 200 finishes the day's trade uh, down by 0.3%.
1: Yeah, which is pretty much the same as the ASX 200. It's off 27 points, 7,278 or 0.37%. Not the way that we wanted to end Fry. yay but hey, it could have been worse. It could have been. And
0: Kyle's final show. Exactly. It's been a pleasure, even though it's been five minutes for me.
2: That's me long. Yeah, it's it's a funny <laughs> omen you and I because I realised the last um, interview I did on Bloomberg in my previous life, I think it was you as well. So and now I'm here.
0: Yeah, it's, is it something I said? You <laughs> yeah. quit the day I started. Sorry I about just that,
2: uh, Osbiz. yeah, no, that's... And,
1: and Kyle, you've held held my hand when I started in my first Osbiz move into Osbiz <laughs> when I was so nervous. I'd sit in the corner watching. So. We're going to miss you. Yeah. Thank
2: yeah, you. No, we, we had fun. The only thing I'm disappointed about, Danny, is that some of our very uh, heated debates about uh, economics and energy policy and all these things weren't recorded, unfortunately. Our best stuff
0: <laughs> off <air. laughs> a off, lot of off, stuff off air.
2: Hey, yeah. maybe
1: we best can do that air. when you're the guest. Yeah, you can you
2: can uh, take your revenge, perhaps, and, and <laughs> oh, really needle been with uh Anyway, that's uh, that. Uh, yeah, of course, it was my last uh, day at Osby. Is going back home to Melbourne to be closer to loved ones. Uh, so it goes sometimes, but it's been a wonderful experience with wonderful people, and I've had a lot of fun so I leave with a heavy heart. But nevertheless, um, make sure you catch up on all the wonderful content on your website and app. And I won't see you Monday morning, but uh, our three wonderful hosts will. Have a great weekend.